0: and welcome to the ed podcast cooler than an energy efficient air conditioning system greener than the forest green rovers football pitch and far more flavorsome than plastic free chewing gum yes this is the podcast coming up on today's episode The sustainability figureheads from Kingfisher and HP join us for a discussion about the evolution of sustainable business.
1: It's no longer seen as a risk factor or or philanthropy, it's to do with um, it makes good business sense, it drives done right, it drives business efficiencies, it drives commercial benefit. Absolutely, so done right, this stuff makes your business fly.
0: We'll be discussing Earth Overshoot Day with a sustainability quiz to test our knowledge of business impacts on the environment. And SurfDome's Head of Sustainability, Adam Hall, will be calling in for a live chat about the latest business developments in the global plastics debate. yes, uh, there we go. Packed episode for you today. I'm joined as ever by the rest of the ED editorial team here in the studio. Um, and one thing I didn't mention in the introduction there about this being a special episode of the show is that uh, this show is also a bit of a cause for celebration. Because... That's right, it's our... Very belated, uh, there we go, it's ended already, thanks Matt. Um, very belated uh, birthday celebrations for Edie's official 20th, 20th anniversary uh, as a business media brand in sustainability. Um, Matt's perfectly timed uh, playing of that music is just one part of what he's put on for us today. Um, that was me singing, That
2: was, there was no reason. I've <laughs> got little drums set in the corner and everything.
0: But uh, explain what's around us, Matt, because we've got a little bit of a celebration going on. Yeah, I
2: mean, of course, we, we've been been harking on about the fact that it is our 20th anniversary for a while. And I thought we haven't actually, haven't actually, you know, um, championed it through a, through an official birthday party. So I, I popped down to Sainsbury's earlier, um, picked up a nice, calling the caterpillar cake, cause there are no other cakes worthy of a birthday party. In my opinion, <laughs> we're not going to like that cause we're in an office and a lot could go wrong. Very true. Um, there's uh, a few little party poppers. Um, green, obviously, we are talking about the green economy, and purpley because ED's logo is kind okay. of purpley and it's none,
0: none of them pulled yet though. Like, when are we actually officially? Is this a party? This is a party, oh,
2: there's no party hats. If you have yeah. to ask if there's a party. I am just wondering, well, it's a bit of a mix, isn't it, when you're
0: in an office <laughs> <I'll> space. Tell, <laughs> when are we allowed so to start uh, having
2: fun? <laughs> I'll tell the clown to go home at like this rate. I was <laughs> just
0: wondering when are we officially pulling the party poppers and yeah. Anyway. I think just yeah. wait, for that. Okay. We'll know when it comes. We'll know when it comes. Right, well,
2: um, and of course the glasses I will out. For okay. That's my little bag of tricks.
0: <laughs> just bought some schlurf. It's hey. a
2: nice okay. lukewarm Prosecco. Lukewarm prosecco. Because nice. we are okay. we are all adults. We're all twenty at least, so we can we can drink. Legal. Okay. Well very good. Well
0: we'll tweet a picture out of this, but um yeah, I mean, Matt. As this is a sustainable business covered podcast, is this a sustainably sourced cake and, and prosecco? I presume.
2: Yeah, I, I think the cocoa is, is sourced from <laughs> um, some sort of growing partnership by Mondelez or something. Yeah, not yeah, yeah not no. Sainsbury's down the road. Yeah, exactly.
0: Worth well, it, I suppose, if there are any yeah, uh, sustainable, ultra sustainable winemakers or bakers out there that want to send in some of the stuff for next week, then uh, yeah, by we all means. That. Yeah. Um, okay, so when are we popping the cork on this prosecco? Um, well, I thought that would be... It's the most structured party ever, isn't it? <laughs> I, I
2: thought that would be... I, know, I do know we've got plans for a bit of a quiz later okay. on. I thought the the, ch- the the winner could do the... Okay, do the honours. Yeah, could do the honours, right. in that sense. Down one. We, we, we'll, <laughs> we'll toast the winner. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, you also
0: heard George's voice there. Hello, George. Hello, Luke. I guess my first question for you is uh, where the hell have you been for the last few days? I can't remember the last time we were both on the, the desk together. There's been rumours of you being deep underground um yeah clotting some sort of anti-sustainability movement with uh, other political leaders and fossil fuel companies tell us those rumors aren't true uh,
3: I, I can uh, deny those speculation uh <laughs> flat out luke uh, i i have been away for the last week you are right i'm glad that you noticed um usually i go away for a week that's later. true yeah no one even mentions the fact. but yeah. um no I've been uh, beavering away in my uh, little hole. (laughs) Not in the ground, uh, in my house. And uh, I've been working on a little project we've got coming up. It's the uh, new Sector Insights series.
0: (laughs) Great. More reports from George? More reports
3: from George. George, the report master. Yeah.
0: Okay, good. When uh, Sector Insights are looking at the developments of sustainability in the core sectors we write about. That's right. Okay. Good, well, I'll ask no more about that, but I presume they're coming soon. I hope they're coming soon, because you've been away for quite a while. Yeah, they'll
3: be here soon. Good, <laughs> he says. <laughs>
0: and Sarah, sat very quietly, patiently there. How are you, first of all?
4: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: Good. And Busy week you've had, I've seen a few of your pieces, a couple of them were really, really good, well all of them really good, so a couple of them exceptionally good. Um, yeah, so has been a good week
4: for you? Heavy praise there Luke. Yeah. Um, it's Well, some can get a bit quiet what with Parliament being in recess and everything, mm. but it's been a really packed week so far for news. Our newsletter was very um, jam-packed this week with our most read story probably being our Earth Overshoot Day. Yeah. Um, content, which covers not only what the day is, who organises it, and why it's falling earlier every year, but what businesses can do to push it back.
0: Okay, well, we'll be touching on that. Say no more. We'll be uh, coming back to that with the quiz later on. Um, okay, so I suppose, yeah, this is us about us being 20 years old. Um, it's worth updating listeners on exactly what we're doing content-wise for them uh, around the 20th anniversary. So what's what are we doing? How's it coming along? Who wants to give me an update on this, because I genuinely am a bit... Behind where things are at.
3: Um, yeah, I think I could probably provide you with a little update. So um, I think we're about halfway through the series now. I think we discussed in the last podcast, we had got a load of uh, exciting content ideas that are now coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, this so is the 20th, 20, 20 Years of ED series, editorial series. That's right, Yep, yeah. um, uh, Celebrating 20 years of corporate sustainability mm-hmm. um, and all things related to that. So we've had variety of... of um, si- variety of uh, content going out on the website um, so we've had um, a feature from me which is on green policy over the last 20 years Start I've start with your own okay obviously good. you start from the top yeah. and then your way down um, then we also had a, a blog from from Matt which was on corporate sustainability over the last 20 years yeah yeah heard,
2: heard very good things about it only from my nan but um, <laughs> <Okay>. I, <laughs> The, the Mace family is proud of that book, and so am
0: I. Yeah, someone did comment on it saying good piece. But then, uh, yeah, it was actually someone in the company, so <laughs> I'm not sure that counts. Okay, <laughs> great. And any, we've had some, hopefully, some people outside of Edie writing stuff about.
3: People that know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah the experts. Um, we've had a blog in from John Elkinton. I think, were you close to that, Matt? Yeah,
2: um, really, as you'd expect, John Elkinton, really kind of. <laughs> Point so it makes you kind of just sit down and reevaluate yeah. your life essentially. <laughs> like um, I think one of the things that stuck with me was um, we need to clean oceans, not just fish. Like, it's all good mm. companies that we're going to be hearing from in this episode, are, like striving ahead, but we've got to bring the whole business okay. community along with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's concluding with a look ahead, isn't it? With-
2: yeah, so we are in the process of reaching out to kind of twenty. Um, four players, mm-hmm. in the sustainability sphere, um, trying to get from different sectors as well, so it's not just uh, retail or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have a look and see, and just you know, give us a little summary of where they think sustainability is heading, what are the skills that are needed, what are the, the trends that will shape the CSR agenda.
0: Great stuff. Um, right, yeah. Well, enough um, self-congratulation and plugging of our own content. Let's hear from other, uh, more experienced people about the world of sustainable business, shall we? Um, so, Matt, uh, where are we heading first?
2: So um, as per usual, we're off to London. Uh,
0: and as per usual, this is one of your interviews. Home from home, yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: one of my one of my interviews as per usual as well. We like consistency on the podcast; <laughs> it keeps the, keeps the listeners coming back. Um, so yeah, I went off uh, to London um, to speak to Kingfisher's head of sustainability, Caroline Laurie, and HP's uh, global director of sustainability operations, Kirsty McIntyre, mm-hmm. um, at the kind of HP summit. Um, I think last year they focused all on circular economy and ocean plastics this year was about a much broader theme, just sustainability, leadership in general, mm-hmm. and how that's evolved to the point where it's a kind of business-critical aspect now that we're add on. So and that's exactly what I asked them about, like, how has it evolved? Is it business-critical now?
0: Well, there we go. Uh, is it business-critical? Let's find out. Here's match chat with uh, Kingfisher's Caroline Laurie and HP's Kirsty McIntyre in full.
2: So for those unaware, the HP Sustainability Summit aims to provide a platform for businesses to discuss the challenges they face um, and learn how they can better meet um, their sustainability goals. Uh, Last year, it featured kind of expert insights from the likes of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and and Philips, um, and that was all aimed at discussing how businesses can embed the circular economy into their operations. Uh, Today, um, HP is hosting the likes of HSBC and Kingfisher, to discuss how businesses can meet their goals, um, and it sounds like quite an open-ended question, uh, quite an open-ended discussion point um, as well. Um, so, in the early hours of the morning, I have rounded up uh, Kirsty McIntyre, uh, director of global sustainability operations at HP, and uh, Caroline Laurie, uh, head of sustainability at Kingfisher, um, both of whom are kind of speaking, presenting uh, today at the event. So. Firstly, uh, thank you for agreeing to come in about half an hour earlier than you actually need to to uh, talk to me today.
5: You're welcome. Yeah, yeah m- nice to meet. You. W- my pleasure.
2: Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a topic of, of what challenges um, business face. So uh, as, as a way to start with a nice open-ended question, um, perhaps Kirsty um, will just go with the reason why HP um, is is kind of hosting this summit um, and and has hosted it kind of annually now. The the main kind of benefits and the reasons that HP do
5: So we're very proud to be hosting the summit uh, again this year and, uh, and basing it out of the UK as well. It's, it's great for us to do that and I think one of the reasons is, is we realise that sustainability is an enormous challenge for everybody in, in whichever part of sustainability your business is focused or your organisation is focused on. And the other realisation that we have at HP is that we cannot do it alone. So, we HP can work on our operations and we can work on our labor rights within our supply chain and other such things. But actually, the collaboration up and down the value chain is what will really make a difference moving forward. Okay.
2: And so, in in the theme of collaboration, is that why um, I've been to a few kind of business um, led Sustainability days summits, etc., where it's it's uh, a chance for them to give stakeholders, media, that kind of stuff, an update on their own strategy. But but these conversations seem much more uh, open to wider challenges and the fact that you bring other businesses in like Kingfish today, for example, um, is, is that a reflection on, on this belief that there needs to be kind of cross sector collaboration?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So we, as I said, we realise that, you know, we work with our suppliers and in fact, we have a, a supplier summit going on uh, that's in based in the US, that'll be later, I think it's in July. Uh, and um, so that's that end of the supply chain. And you know, the, the focus for today is is how HP and, their, and our customers work together. To really uh, um, advance the sustainability agenda.
2: So, on that note, then Caroline, um, you've obviously been invited to come along today, um, and I've seen you around at a fair few events in the last (laughs) couple of months, including Ed Live itself. So, it's clear that um, Kingfisher really, really are, you know, have a pressing story that they want to tell around around their new strategy. So, so what Mm -hmm. is it that you aim to get from events like this, for example?
1: Um, we are very keen to collaborate, so if we're out there talking very openly and honestly about the challenges we face and what we're trying to achieve and where we're trying to get to, that can only help move this agenda forward. This isn't just about working within the own four walls of your own organisation. You've really got to be out there talking about the challenges you face and looking to unpick them across different businesses, different NGOs, etc. to really progress this agenda.
5: And I think for, for organisations like HP and Kingfisher, who, who have had sustainability in their DNA for a really long time, a really long time, I think, you know, I, I hesitate to say that we've, we've picked all the low-hanging fruit, because there's always a little bit more to find. But, you know, we're now beginning to tackle the big, thorny issues, and we've got to do it together. It, there's just, you, it's just not possible to do it by yourself.
2: I'm, I'm glad that you kind of brought up those those big um, fawny issues because it, it, it's it's a, a really relevant time for both your companies. Obviously, Kingfisher's new strategy um, and uh, HP released their kind of global report. I think it was last week. Last week, last yeah. week. Yeah, um, and I was I was flicking through that. So if if my LinkedIn skills are correct, which they're they're usually not, so because um, <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've been at HP slash kind of Hewlett Packard since two thousand and one.
5: Yeah, about
2: 15 years now. So you've been here for, for a while and you've obviously seen the sustainability strategy evolve over time. Did you yeah. ever envision a point where you would um, see HP use more than 8 million plastic bottles um, for their own like, products? Is that, is that ever is that when you started about 15 yeah, years ago? Yeah,
5: I, I mean, we, we, the, the closed-loop plastic recycling programme has been going on for 25 years. Hmm. And I think what we've done is evolve that programme. So we've maintained the focus on it uh, knowing that you know what we were doing then was bringing back our own cartridges and making them into new cartridges and uh, and what we 've done is expanded that out through to hardware we 've also it 's become a circular economy story of course fifteen mm-hmm. years ago, circular economy might have been known to a few academics but wasn 't broadly known in a business context uh, and the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, of which we're both mm-hmm. members, has done a really great job in promoting that concept and that, that idea again about collaboration. Um, and uh, I think that the, what we've done with that sort of closed-loop plastic is, we, as I said, we've pushed it into hardware, we've taken it into other areas like plastic bottles. Uh, we're beginning to, uh, and with those plastic bottles in particular, we're connecting it to um, ocean plastic pollution mm. uh, and the prevention of that. Now, we're not going around scooping plastic out of the ocean, that's a pretty tough gig. Mm. Uh, and we're very much hoping that, that people will come up with some technical solutions to that. But what we can do is help turn the tap off of more plastic getting into the ocean. So by working in communities like Haiti, where they have uh, an enormous waste problem, uh, very poor waste management infrastructure, Mm. no uh, tapped drinking water, so everything comes out of bottles. And so the amount of bottles that have been generating there and also coupled with the, the poor waste management infrastructure means that, in effect, everything's going to end up in the sea because there's nowhere else for it to go on a small island and so those bringing those plastic bottles now and using those and connecting it with social good uh, and I think this is where we're where, you know we're partnering and I think we see an alignment of values with Kingfisher is not just doing what's right for the planet mm. but coupling that with social responsibility Absolutely. and bringing the two things Absolutely. together
2: and and does it it seems like the new kind of era of sustainability, it seems to really kind of picked up over the last few years as the Paris Agreement's come into force. We've had the SDGs kind of become front and centre and the media and consumers are now much more aware on issues like plastic. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems that the new kind of era of sustainability is less about businesses kind of keeping their own operations in check, but, but also... Whether it's reaching out into their supply chain, like HP, or in the case of Kingfisher as well, actually aiming kind of sustainability towards um your consumers, uh, absolutely. The, the kind of one of the key flagship targets of of the new um, strategy is to achieve fifty percent of the group's sales by uh, twenty twenty from twenty
1: twenty yeah, yeah from products that make homes more sustainable.
2: Exactly. So so I mean, when you kind of when you kind of ballparked and then discussed that goal. Um, what was that based on was it was it feedback from consumers that there's a real appetite now for them to live more sustainable lives
1: Absolutely. We went out and did in-depth customer research across five of our markets and we don't use the word sustainability. Sustainability is kind of mired with Mm. a lot of jargon. So we went into homes and we talked to customers about how they live in their homes, what they care about, what they care about with their families and their communities. And they really care about this stuff. They just don't use that technical language. So they care about using less energy in the home. They care about connecting to nature. They care about living smarter and being resource efficient. And um, they care about not pumping their homes full of nasty toxins. So you've just got to translate it and listen to what customers are saying and react to that and do the right thing for them. I'm really proud that currently almost a third of all of our products actively make customers' homes more sustainable. And as we move towards one kingfisher in a more unified way of running our business, we're accelerating that delivery. So this year, all of our kitchen taps are now low flow. We can now call all of those sustainable. Okay. So we're making some really big steps forward, and we're in some places we're making the choice for our customer. We do it with um, wood and paper. So in B&Q, all of our wood and paper is sustainably sourced. So customers come into our stores, and they haven't got to make a decision between that's sustainable and that's sus- that's not sustainable. We just do the right thing for them.
2: So it's, is it? I, I don't want to use choice editing, but it is in the sense that there, it is. There is yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. There is, we're moving more and more into that space. Okay, that's so brilliant. looking at moving all of our paints to low VOC levels, etc. Because customers, are, there's about 30 steps in renovating a bathroom. Mm. What you can't do is then ask them to think about building sustainability <laughs> decisions into that, because yeah. they've got enough going on. They want to trust us to do the right thing for them. And okay. you probably find that similarly yeah, within HP
5: don't I think you? I think it's a very good point because you know it is it is about it's about doing things right. And, and sometimes you do have to do it as choice editing and then mm. sometimes you allow people to make their own choices and you you explain the choices. I resonate very much, I'm doing a huge house renovation at the moment and <laughs> the decisions yeah. just oh. are blowing my mind. And yeah. of course, knowing what I'm knowing what I know, I want to make the right choices, but man, so you know, hard. When, mm. when the builder's saying, Okay, so what doors is it that you want? And I'm not going <laughs> I haven't really looked at doors yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to make sure that they're sustainably sourced. Mm. And so I think, you know, b q making those decisions or Kingfisher making those decisions for me when I go to a store, it just takes that headache away, even for someone who knows what they're looking for. Yeah. And I think at HP, we do the same. So we have a zero deforestation goal mm-hmm. around all of our own brand paper, all of our packaging, and then all of our paper that goes inside boxes to tell you how to set your printer up. And in fact, we'd love to move away from that. But there are regulations around mm. a lot of paperwork in boxes, unfortunately. But... Uh, so, so we also do those, that sort of choice editing in, in a way, just because it's, it makes it easier for people. It's a really
1: important point. So we're very fortunate in that our IT procurement colleagues are very engaged on this agenda. Mm. So when they were out looking to buy our new printing solutions, they had sustainability in their mind. Now, it had to be right the right service. It had to be at the right price. But they also wanted to tick that sustainability box. And they felt that the service that HP could offer was the strongest okay. that they saw when they went out to market. So, And, and the words that our, my IT procurement colleague used was that because we're buying printing as a service... We're letting HP do what they're best at, yeah. and that
5: allows us to do what yeah, we're best at. Exactly, exactly. And uh, thanks for saying that because, you know, it, it's it's not always easy to make happen. You know, I yeah. mean, this stuff is quite hard, and you know, the mindset change, particularly around buying products as a service, uh, as opposed to buying them outright. I think, you know, and that's where the Ellen MacArthur Foundation Mm. and and that's why we joined them is Mm. to help people to get their heads around those sorts of things. And and to then think about what, what we like to say is that what we do is we give our customers The technology so that they can go away and innovate of their business Mm. so that they don't spend Mm -hmm. all their time thinking about their IT solutions or their print solutions they go away and they work on their sustainability goals and we contribute in a small way Mm. towards that with the paper with the energy efficiency of the printing with the recycling of the printers at end of life all all of those sorts of things
2: and I'm I'm really interested in that that Kind of move away from a transactional relationship with consumers and, and other businesses to to that service-based one. I mean, Caroline, you mentioned that you don't mention the the S word to to consumers. I mean, in, in basic terms, HP's offering. Do do you champion sustainability as uh, when you mention these kind of service-based models, or is it a case of this is an easier way for you to make money, essentially?
5: Well, I think it, I think you have to tailor your message to your customer mm. exactly the way that that Kingfisher is doing with their consumers. It's like. At some customers, you can dive straight into that really technical sustainability conversation. Other people, you may start with, you know, the serv- is the service right? Is the price right? And then, oh, by the way, yeah. you can achieve X, Y, Z in a sustainability way. So okay. for customers like Kingfisher, who have a managed service, be it on a print side or a PC side, we generate what we call a, a you know a customer sustainability report. Mm-hmm. Now we can change the words if that doesn't fit, yeah. but it basically means that when you return your the products that you've you've leased or bought from HP, it could be either way. Uh, we'll generate a report for you which shows you, you know, how much we recycled, how much we refurbished, what did that save you in terms of energy, uh, you know, CO2, landfill, what do we do the materials, etc. And we can tailor that, of course, depending on what that customer's is most interested in from a sustainability perspective yeah. everybody has different takes on on it's a huge topic to, to give you an example of that so we're very passionate about
1: uh wood and paper with sustainably sourced wood and paper mm-hmm. in our business we've been on a 20 year journey we were fundamental in the setup of the FSC certification Um, And so I know that the managed print services we buy have saved us 33 million sheets of paper last year, which is the equivalent of not felling about 4,000 trees. And now with our aspirations around wooden paper and sustainably sourced wooden paper, that's a really great stat for us to use in our business.
2: And um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the the finance side of it. It used to be, well, when I've been at ED now for three years essentially and around that time there was still the notion that sustainability and, and commercialization or sustainability and profits they can't really go hand-in-hand hand. but I mean Kingfisher you've got that that goal to generate half your sales through sustainable yeah. products um, I, I noticed in the HP report that you generated I think it's the equivalent of more than 500 million um, in terms of uh, like business deals where sustainability was a key mm. differentiator. Mm. So we, we finally beyond that notion that sustainability, it is good for business?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's no longer seen as a risk factor or, a, or philanthropy. It's to do with um, it makes good business sense. It drives done right. It drives business efficiencies. It drives commercial benefit. It attracts talent and retains talent. It's really important. A lot of people coming out into the jobs market now want to work for Mm. companies with a strong social and environmental purpose. And it drives innovation, absolutely. So done right, this stuff makes your business fly. Yeah,
5: absolutely, and it's it's about also, you, you know, it, it is that customer value proposition for sure, for sure. And you mentioned the number, it's, I think it's $700 million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're right, it's about £500 million. Um, uh, that, that was just this year was an increase. And so mm. what we've been doing over the last mm, seven or eight years is we've been measuring, we look at the bids and tenders that come in. Uh, And so from customers like Kingfisher and then we look at and say, okay, are there sustainability questions in there? And then we break it down into what type of sustainability questions helps us to understand where our customers are going, makes us smart in our approach, but equally, it helps us to see the trend. And so that number of the 700 million actually equated to a 38% increase in bids and tenders with sustainability yeah. in them year on oh, year. Really I mean, it's enormous, yeah. it's a real big jump that's happened recently. Mm-hmm. And I think some of those issues around, you know, David Attenborough talking about ocean pollution, mm-hmm. I think the Paris Accord and, and the US and, and you know, mm-hmm. those the sort of changes have really, I think a lot of people are, mm-hmm. more, are more aware of, of yeah. these bigger environmental challenges at the moment. And, and I think it, that's why we're seeing, I mean, it's difficult to make those correlations, that's my, my thoughts on it, but, it's, um, but we measure it carefully, because it, it, we have to get it right. Um, and it's okay we, we could just do our own sustainability thing and mm. we can manage our own operations and it can make us feel all warm and fuzzy <laughs> but it does have to show business value and it for us it really does Yeah,
2: it's great to see that it, that it is I'm, I'm a bit worried that there's like a lot of people starting to flock in behind you yes. and you do <laughs> have right. to yeah. you do have to go somewhere I was going to kind of finish off on, on the kind of the challenges of the future but I think it's always nice to finish off an interview with, with a bit of like positivity so I suppose my last question to you both is what kind of area of sustainability is, is really kind of exciting you in the future I mean I know HP are doing a lot in that kind of circular economy mm-hmm. uh, Bit the stuff you're doing with Fred and, and the workers out in Haiti yeah. is great and also with Kingfisher you know the Screwfix store that's just opened up in Peterborough like uh, it's the first example I've seen of a large business using energy storage which is really exciting yeah. so are there any kind of areas that, that you two are personally maybe not necessarily from a business point but just in regards to the sustainability agenda that you're really excited about or i really keen to see what's going to happen in the future
1: I love the dialing up of the the, of the social purpose. So you've got uh, the BlackRock Larry Fink letter mm-hmm. calling on businesses to
5: to ensure they have that wider social purpose, and I think that's such an exciting agenda. Mm. And for me, uh, I mean, I have championed uh, circular economy inside HP, and I lead the HP programs around it, and to connect to what. I, I come from a recycling background, mm. uh, and what I'm very excited about is to see that material recovery connected with the social purpose as well, and I'm really proud of the programmes that we're developing in, in that, um, and I, I'd just love to do more of it. Just, <laughs> it, it's just such a great feeling when you get it right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, definitely,
2: and it's good to see that getting it right as well is, is not a kind of, um, you know, handicap to, to the business no, in, in that no, sense no, as well. So. Um, Thank you both uh, for your time. I realise you've both got presentations to, to go and do <laughs> now essentially. At <laughs> <Just> the <laughs> same time. So um, <laughs> I, won't, I won't keep you anymore, but uh, thank you very much.
1: Well thank you. Thank you. Much. Thanks,
0: Matt. Well there you go. Uh, fascinating stuff there. So um, yeah, five hundred and twenty million pound five hundred and twenty five million pounds was it generated in business deals where sustainability was identified as a key differentiator for HP. Um, so yeah, incredibly positive to hear about that evolution happening in such large large businesses there um, so now this episode has just generally been very positive hasn't it we've got uh, the cake which we're about to eat the prosecco about to be flowing um we've just had our chat about sustainable business progress um it's probably only right that we bring everyone back down to earth now with um some balancing things out with uh, some less positive news um because this week did in fact mark earth overshoot day this is the date when um we've effectively as a planet, we've consumed more resources uh, than the planet can naturally replenish over the course of that entire year, uh, and this year's over- Earth Overshoot Day was uh, was on Wednesday of this week, uh, August the 1st. Um, is this a reason for us to be celebrating?
2: Yeah. I, well, <laughs> no, but yes. Yeah, it's, it's one of those... It's a question I always ask um, same professionals like when I get to chat to them, like... Especially around the plastics. I mean, you could even use the heat wave. It's mm. it's clearly negative stuff, but it, it kind of strengthens the business case for sustainability a little bit. If you can communicate that in the right way, like look, you know, the amount of resources we're using up as a planet, mm. um, and that we can replenish in a year is moving forward is yearly. That's uh, that's a point that's going to start resonating with more boards, mm. maybe. I think that's certain, there's certainly a story for CSR professionals to tell about Earth Overshoot Day that can get businesses starting to just revalue their impacts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we sort of told that story, didn't we, in an article this
0: week in terms of, or, or at least, yeah, touched on it.
4: Yeah, not to pat ourselves on on the back too much or anything, <laughs> um, um, but we have sort of on the flip side of this seemingly negative story sort of suggested how businesses can help to push the day back because mm-hmm. considering the um, I saw large is, impact that corporates have on on natural resources they're among the best place in the world to do something about it
0: mm-hmm. okay interesting and uh, on the subject of earth overshoot day i've written uh, i've got written down here on the podcast plan uh, that Matt gave us the word quiz Um, presuming this is our ever popular
2: sustainability quiz of the week which doesn't have a jingle I'm assuming popular demand from um, zero feedback I've had but yes um, and I I hope um, Sarah also got the memo about quiz otherwise (laughs) this could be a very short lived segment but um, I'm I'm sure you do have a few questions lined up.
4: No, rest assured, I'm well-prepped to grill you both again, okay. um, yeah. excluding Matt because he will have read about this already. And just like, just like the, the birthday parties advantage. I
2: used to go to as a kid, I am excluded from
4: all
0: the activities. <laughs> Good. Well, I uh, as would ask at this point if we have a prize, but I'm looking in front of me at this cake and this prosecco, we don't need to ask that. What, what's the score?
2: One. I've, yeah, we're 2 0 for me. Is it? No, no, not quite. <laughs> not quite. Um, we're tied one-one apiece. One apiece between me and George. Okay. Right,
0: uh, Quizmaster Sarah, uh, what have you got for us? Is it the same format as in we're we're writing things down, closest wins or?
4: Um, it is the same format. It's all numerical, so closest wins as okay. usual. Sure. Right,
0: you um, ready for this, George? Mm.
4: <laughs> 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 right. So as we've already covered, Earth Overshoot Day was the earliest it's ever been. Um, it fell on August first, but when the Earth first went into overshoot in nineteen seventy, it was actually in late December. Um, but as this is a special birthday episode, I'd like to know wh- when Earth Overshoot Day was when Edie was founded 20 years ago. Closest date takes the point. Mm.
2: I can't even remember this one.
0: Okay. So just to recap, it started in 1970, they started tracking mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Yep. And in 1970, Earth Overshoot Day, as in we'd used up all our resources by December. December 29th. In 1970. Mm-hmm. And yep. now, twenty. Where August are we? Twenty yeah. eighteen. <laughs> was first. the easiest oh, part of the question. Year. Right. Okay. So it's going to be somewhere in between there. Okay. Oh, all right. This is a good question. Hmm.
4: Bonus hint: It's moved one day year on year between last year and this year.
0: Okay. Okay. So we flatlined. Mm, not yet. No. <laughs> okay. Um.
3: Twenty.
0: Right, I've got an educated guess here.
3: I've got a guess, it's probably not educated. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, okay. Right, go on then, George. I'm going for Bonfire Night, November the 5th.
0: Oh, remember. Uh, I've gone also for November, but the 21st.
3: George has just chipped it. Ah. Um, It was
4: actually on September 30th, meaning you were both actually much more optimistic. than.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, Or, were we? As in, I was thinking that the that the majority of good work had happened within 20 years. It's a completely, I'm wrong, but mm. anyway. Yeah, so, good, right, okay. So when was it, sorry, September? September the 30th. September 30th, well, okay. Don't know how to feel about that. Right, one, the for George, question two.
4: <laughs> um, Moving away from dates, so the people that put together Earth Overshoot Day are continue to estimate, like last year, that we would need 1.7 Earth's worth of resources to sustain ourselves mm-hmm. at the current rate that we're consuming. Um, this is a global estimate, um, but what would the equivalent be if we all lived like the average UK citizen? Mm.
3: Mm. That's a good one, actually. <laughs> that's, that's quite a good way of looking at it, i haven't mm. Are we more sustainable? Than no, that's, that's the that question. would be telling, George.
0: Um. Okay. Uh, 1.7 is the national, again, well, the global. The like <laughs> <laughs> It's the national one, you have your <laughs> answer. Uh, okay. Right, yeah.
4: Hit me with your best shots, guys. Okay, 3.8. Mm. I've gone 2.5. It's actually 2.9, which I think puts George just ever so slightly right. close. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <George>. How <laughs> many is this out of? Um, well, the uh, my ne- my bonus point would be for which nation would be the most Earths.
0: Okay, so it's out of three. So you've already won, so Earth, already f- you won. by this point. So which is the question? Um, okay.
4: But I will answer it for you because George has already answered and It's out of five at the moment, which goes to the US, which has taken that wow. Interesting. unwanted crown, if you will.
0: Well, there we go. Well, George's oh. taken a crown himself. I oh, can uh, see that Prosecco calling <laughs> me now. <laughs> Congratulations, George. Well done. Well Thanks, done. Luke.
3: I can tell the sincerity in your voice.
0: Yeah. So clearly, uh, if that quiz told us anything, then it's um, yeah that I'm not sufficiently expert enough to be running a podcast on sustainability leadership. Um, and so I think this is a, a good point to introduce our very special guest uh, for this episode of the show, um, and I believe this is a first for the ED podcast, unless only happened while I was away.
2: It might have been a couple of like um, pocket dials accidentally, but this is the first <laughs> deliberate one.
0: Good. Well, this is a this is a live phone in, so that's how uh, technologically advanced this podcast is. Now we're going to call someone up and uh, yeah, play the audio feed into the into the microphone. Um, and so, if the technology has worked correctly, we now have on the line uh, Adam Hall, who is the head of sustainability at the retailer Surfdome. Adam, are you there?
6: Yes, I'm
0: here. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you?
6: I'm very well, very well. Thank you.
0: Good. Um, Yeah, well, thank you, first and foremost, for for joining us. Um, The last time we spoke, I think it was when you were just about to take a seat on the Mission Possible sofa, being interviewed by Matt at ED Live in May. But, um, yeah, clearly one journalist wasn't enough. We're all surrounding (laughs) you now. Um, How have things gone since? Are you enjoying this uh, endless summer?
6: yes yeah, it's, it's fantastic it's a bit concerning but um it is great you know it's fantastic things, enjoy the weather.
0: yeah good great. and um yeah the surfing en- enthusiasts uh among our listeners will have heard that little subtle pun i inserted into that last opening question um but for anyone who doesn't know surf dome adam do you want to just quickly uh, explain who they are and uh, what you do there
6: yeah absolutely we're, we're europe's largest action sports retailer so predominantly our customers are in the oceans, um, enjoying a wide range of sports, but predominantly around the, the surfing sector. Um, but we do cater for snow sports and skating and a wide range of outdoor sports. So um, essentially, and, and this is the crux of our conversation, our customer base is, is very environmentally minded.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. So and um, that was going to be my sort of question to introduce. This conversation was about sort of... How, but also why sustainability has become such a key part of the surf zone brand. But it sounds like that is partly led by the the consumer in the first place.
6: Yeah, I think so. I think it's a combination of of, 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 of a a few different things. Obviously, we we're very much invested in sports ourselves. You know, a lot of the 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 people that work in the business and and myself in particular, um, we love the sports. We're out there out there in the environment, and we're on the very front line, also. But obviously, our customers are, are, are experiencing the changes in the environment um, day in, day out um, through the sports that they enjoy. So it's 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 customer led, but it's, it's also led by us because we know that we want we want to do this. We you know we we know we should do this, um, and and our customers um,
3: have either responded to that or they expect it from us. We haven't quite figured out which yet. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, this is George here, Adam. Um, so. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm quite interested in, you know, the fact that the surfdoms launched up about 10 years ago now, I think possibly slightly longer. Um, and I think you've mentioned yourself, uh, it didn't quite have the reputation for sustainability. Um, and now, you know, things have completely changed to the point where you're being ranked as one of, you know, the top brands, uh, helping to save the oceans. And I'm wondering how you've managed to... Um, deliver this uh, successful sustainability um, business model in such a short period of time? You mentioned there the fantastic customer support you've received, but I'm guessing you can't have achieved what you have achieved in such a short period of time without um, boardroom buy-in, so maybe you could talk about that for a bit.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, first and foremost, Sustem um, actually, it was, we're doing quite well sustainability-wise, um, but just, through um, the kind of standardization of what you should do. Um, but we reached a point in 2015 where we, we, we looked at, um, in particular, plastic pollution, we, we, we were becoming very aware of what was on our, be- our beaches. And we started looking at all the different aspects that we could actually have an impact and, and how we could influence our wider sphere of businesses or customers around us actually to join us on that journey. Um, so first and foremost, that that was sign in from senior management. It actually came from senior management that we need to tackle um, plastic pollution. so I, I think that's a that's a, a, a huge key driver, and it continues to be today uh, with a with renewed figure actually. Um, but it's a very key element that you need to have sign in from 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 your top people. Um, and it's filtered down through. Um, but actually, I, I think probably the key point that I would take away from from our experience, if we went straight for the really big impact stuff first, Um, if if you concentrate on the elements that actually take a lot of time and and, and absorb a lot of resources and work, um, you're not showing results. So it it, it can stagnate a project. If you just go in there with some real big hitting, big impact, um, environmental factors or or wins that you, you you can provide for the environment, That you can make a bold statement about and actually suddenly get the buy-in from the rest of the business that that full wow factor and the buy-in from your customers you you, you've suddenly got the wind in your sails you've got momentum to go and start tackling those more complex um issues you know you need to get to Mm -hmm. but don't do those first i mean i think that was that was key for us we just went in and we did a full breakdown of all plastic in our business and actually just highlighted all the elements that we needed to change and we looked at the ones that actually either were cost neutral, so it wasn't it was going to put wasn't going to put a strain on the business. Mm. But as soon as we started seeing the positives that actually came with that, then it was easier to go back to everything and go now we need to tackle those more expensive things. Mm. And you've got to sign in at that point. So I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from our experience.
0: Yeah, that's really fascinating. So Adam, like the the plastics debate in terms of I mean this is an obvious starting point here, but it has obviously grown massively exponentially in the in the last. You know, twelve months, less than twelve months, even kind of six months in particular. Um, are you, are you pleased with what you've seen with the level of, uh, you know, just I think Surf Dome as a case study is fascinating. It's a, like a few people would argue that uh, many retailers are doing much more than you in terms of trying to tackle this issue and actually, you know, putting it central in the in, in the business. What what do you think about other retailers? There's been a lot of commitments made um is it is it pleasing to see is this stuff you're seeing that you're you're not quite happy with or you think other retailers should be doing more of
6: yeah absolutely i mean look it, it's all positive you know if, if people are making settings and people haven't we won't we wouldn't have this conversation five years ago you know it, it, it wasn't even a, a subject so actually the more conversations around it the more commitments is is, is all positive but we all do have to have that Greenwashing radar on, <laughs> and we all have to be very, very careful. Of you know, are, are people just using or businesses using this just to jump on the back? And and I, I I put a question back to everybody in on, on the table and, and all the listeners. You know, is, is 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 a 74% achievement that we achieved back in 2015 stronger than a 100% commitment in 2025? I don't know. What's what's stronger? Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's something that I think we need to be aware of. You know that commitments are words, you know, until they happen, the environment is still being damaged. Mm. Um, So I think, you know, it's it's positive and I I absolutely 100% applaud um, all the businesses that are are, are setting targets and and, and putting commitments in place. But there are often five or ten years between that actually will happen. And you've, you've got to question, how much damage will we do in those five and ten years? Ir- 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 irreversible damage as well. Mm. So, you know, t- the, we, we need to take action now, um, and, and the sooner the better, um, and, and and pushing out those deadlines further and further away. Um, n- n- the environment's not going to thank us for that. Mm.
4: True. Yeah, no, moving on from what you said about um, greenwashing as well, it's really great to hear about your switch from plastic to cardboard, which is... Um, as Luke said, notably bold and perhaps a lot more ambitious than other retailers. Um, But in this drive to sort of prevent greenwashing and effect change as soon as possible, do you you think there's a danger of organisations making sort of um, knee-jerk reactions which might have unintended consequences? Um, And if so, how can we sort of balance um, making sure that we're making a real sustainable switch with the sort of fierce urgency of the issue?
6: Yeah, absolutely. That's a super valid point, um, and I, I, I think on the whole, uh, that, that I mean, I mean, two camps here. So sometimes you have um, the, the objectors who who come back with an argument that if you're not 100% perfect, it, you shouldn't do it, and, and that's where we get stagnation, and that's where progress isn't made. Um, th- there's a bigger threat from us not doing from not doing anything, you know, and, and if it's not 100% perfect. That's fine because we've got to make progress because on that journey from not being 100% perfect, we will find 100% perfect. We're not going to do that from a standing start. So, you know, any efforts in this area is, is great. However, there are some glaringly obvious and, and mismarketed solutions out there that that businesses um, are unwittingly falling into the trap of. And, and I think it's, it, it's becoming very obvious particularly around the OXO additive, mm-hmm. um, so that the, the OXO additive that you add to standard plastic, which means it breaks down into smaller pieces, is being marketed by, uh, as biodegradable. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's bans throughout the world that's happening on this, on this and actually 150 of the, the world's largest corporations have signed a pact to say it should be banned globally. But, you know that's just one of the pitfalls, and there's there's lots and lots of um, plastic alternatives and and plastic derivatives that that are um, are concerning. You know they're they they're being mis mis, mis- marketed, mm-hmm. and we do just have to be very careful um, in, in that area. However, those those intentions um, to, to to push things forward. You know let's let's not let's not put those out, <laughs> let's not dampen those. But um, I, you're absolutely right. We there are. Certainly big fastly evolving do's and don'ts and, and it's becoming clearer and clearer month by month what we what we should and shouldn't be doing in certain areas. There are still grey areas too. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh <laughs> sorry about that Adam. <laughs> um I I accidentally set up my party popper a bit too quickly there. Um I think I told you over email that we're um, celebrating our twentieth birthday and uh I accidentally set that one off. Um, wow. That does actually bring me on to one of the questions I wanted to ask, which was um, obviously 20 years ago, Edie had just came about, and it, it's clear you have quite a vested interest in the world of sustainability. So um, I suppose my question is, um, what were you up to uh, 20 years ago when, when Edie was celebrating its well, not even its first birthday yet? Yeah,
6: I was um, I was in, in Australia making surfboards, and... Um, yeah, and um, I, I was concerned with sustainability at that time, but I didn't have a grasp on how my daily life was affecting it. Um, but yeah, in Australia, making surfboards, in Sydney.
0: Where okay. did the transition come from surfboards to sustainability? Um, oh,
6: when was that? That was in uh, 2006, 2007. I've always worked in the surfing industry my um, my entire working life, and I took a break here for eight years, I think it was in in 2006 and i set up my own business advising small businesses uh small to medium sized businesses on how to be more sustainable um, and then i came back to the surfing industry and combined both
0: so yeah. yeah there you go um adam i'm aware we've used up a lot of your time i wanted to end with one final point and i'm putting you on the spot here but i thought it'd be quite good given your career and the amount you're doing there taking the lead on this issue on plastics um I wanted to find your find out your uh, one one piece of advice for for listeners to this show, up and coming sustainability professionals um, that perhaps want to kind of adopt a leadership position in in one or more areas um, in their organisation. What would be your from your experience? What's what's your one key piece of advice?
6: Um, care about it. Um, you know, really really invest yourself in it. I, I think the sustainability department is 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 quite often the most motivated department in any business. And that's because you're working on you're working for two clients. You, you know, you're working for your business, um, and you're working for, for the planet. So, um, and our future. So, I, I think I think care about it. You know, and, and and actually, if you care about it, you'll you'll make the right decision in the end. Um, yeah.
0: There we go. That. Well, there we go. Thank you so much, Adam. Apologies for for that. Uh, yeah, sudden uh, <laughs> sudden popping of that party popper. I can tell you it was a lot hey, louder wait, in this studio than it, I'm sure it was on the phone. Um, thanks so much. We're about to go and enjoy our, our prosecco now. Hopefully that doesn't go off in the same way. Uh, enjoy the rest of your summer, Adam. Great. Thanks,
6: guys.
0: Thanks so much. Cheers, Cheers Adam. See you. Bye. 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 Well, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, thanks for that, Matt. Yeah, and the, at the end of that interview, I wonder how loud that would come out on the podcast. Um, yeah, what a man, what a company, fascinating. Um, right, now, okay, uh, and now uh, I'm told that the, or I see on the paper here that the plastics is a, is a, key theme that links us into the, the final two parts of the show, because we've got our usual features, the innovation of the week and the sustainability success story of the week. There we go, set it in one. Um, so who's delivering these, first of all? Sarah, I know you've taken on a couple, but George, you've been doing the success story. Are you doing the success story again, George? Or?
3: Um, no, I'm going to be relinquishing my duties, <laughs> okay. um, hopefully only temporarily, but I think this week Sarah's going to be taking okay. on the sustainability success story. Story, I hope so yeah. Do yeah. I know. Do things, I which does,
0: <laughs> does does beg so does beg the question though as well for the podcast listener as to what you are doing here, George. I mean, you've just taken the quiz and you've you know you won your quiz. At, I don't know if you've had are any you
2: trying to win by getting disqualified or something. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, maybe I'm just taking it out on you. George. Sorry, I was told cake and prosecco
3: would be all the and so.
0: Fine. So, Sarah, uh, where do you want to start, innovation or success?
4: Um, well, they're both on the topic of plastics, yeah. so we can start either way. I guess we'll start with innovation. Okay, go for it. Um, so our innovation of the week comes from John Lewis, um, mm-hmm. which announced earlier this week that it's going to become the first UK retailer to stock towels made with PCL plastic.
0: To stock towels made with PCL oh, plastic, pl- okay. yeah.
4: So this comes after sort of the launch of Ocean Plastic Trainers by Adidas, Ocean Plastic Ink Cartridges by HP... Um, recycled Plastic Printers by Dell. There's mm-hmm. a lot of similar initiatives. What's
0: p- PCL plastic? PC- ah, post- PCR plastic? Uh, post-consumer post-consumer recycled plastic. Oh, post-consumer recycled plastic. Yep. PCR plastic, right. Yes. Yeah.
4: yeah. Um, so each towel is made... So 35% of the fibres in each towel is made from this plastic, meaning mm-hmm. that the average-sized towel will contain the equivalent by weight of 11 one-litre plastic bottles, um, and the rest of the towel fibres will be made from recycled cotton.
2: Wow. Do the towels have pictures of bottles
4: on them? No, they're just nice and, nice and plain. You know, Mr. Trick,
0: now, <laughs> trick. I'll, get, tr- I'll get in touch.
4: Uh, <laughs> the trick is that they are apparently quick-drying because of the um, polyester content. Oh, right. so yeah.
0: Interesting. Matt's ears are pricked up there, yeah. mm-hmm. your, your towel. damp towels at home. Exactly, <laughs> generally, yeah, generally <laughs> a problem right now. Um, good, in, I don't have any questions about that, that sounds really interesting, I'll have, to have a look at that. Matt's computer going off in the background there, nice. Um, <laughs> Right, so that was the innovation. What's the success story of the week, Sarah?
4: Um, so more on the plasticky um, issue, <laughs> but away from innovation and into sort of sector-wide change. Um, PepsiCo's charitable arm has partnered with the Recycling Partnership in the US in a bid to boost plastic recycling nationwide, which is pretty low. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have made an investment of $10 million to spur the project, which hopes to drive policy alterations, recycling infrastructure overhauls, um, and actions from the private sector, which will collectively help capture 2 billion tonnes of recyclable materials over the next five years.
0: some big numbers there a lot to take in I presume this is being covered in your weekly roundup
4: it will be but I just like this one particularly because it sort of ties in with Costa's commitment to recycle the equivalent of its annual sale of cups Mm -hmm. also Coca-Cola's aim to collect one bottle or can for every one it sells so it's a similar sort of larger picture um, story that proves that corporations do not exist in a vacuum and also that they need to make stronger moves
0: Mm. yeah very well said, I think that's uh, good one. Uh, on that uh, bombshell, as they say, uh, I think that's uh, probably a wrap for this week. Um, a we huge, even popped the oh, yeah, we've got the to pop the, okay. Cut the cake. Go on, then, right? Who's popping the right? George, <laughs> you, you won the Yeah, race, so. a You do, I've, I've
4: popped
2: too many things <laughs> on this podcast today. While
0: George is uh, attempting to open that champagne or no Prosecco bottle, um, what's coming up? Next week, Matt, and sort of yeah, watch. Do keep one eye on what George is doing over there. Yeah, we've got electronics <laughs> on the pointing it in all directions. <laughs> Just, not
3: all right. in my don't point it in my face. Point it in this direction.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Put the hole in the wall.
0: So yeah, what's coming up next week?
2: Uh, so uh, the next one's lined up. We still have our supply chain conference uh, yep. roundup. Um, okay. Which is a fair while. We've had to we've had to rearrange a few things for okay. birthdays, which I think is which I is, think is fair. Yeah. Um, so we've got um, a jam packed episode from the supply chain conference with about six or seven. Uh, mini-interviews. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, he's pointing it at my yeah, face I again, a, George there, with his bottle. Okay, so uh, supply chain, and the other one, we've got a green room. Green we room. do have a green
2: room uh, coming up shortly as well. Um, it's with Ramon Arashia. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Ramon Arashia yeah, yeah, from former Interface. Yeah, now at board. So, um, we'll be, you'll be diving deep into what makes him tick, but um, he's got some interesting views, actually, on the plastics debate, uh, being at a can manufacturer as well
0: good stuff mm. okay well george as matt was talking there has just handed over responsibility to sarah have you ever opened a corked
3: bottle george no first, before it, first it was the mission possible roundup. i'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a special brew kind of guy <laughs> than, than, than <laughs> <for> <laughs> <second>.
0: okay <laughs> um good stuff uh, well uh one final thing i would say actually as well is uh, a little bit of a shameless plug but um our awards uh, This will be a reason to be popping the cork in uh, a few months' time for sustainability leaders out there. You can still enter our Sustainability Leaders Awards. Uh, they, the website for that is just simply awards.ed.net, and the uh, entries are re- remaining open, I think, for another few weeks yet. So, um, yeah, do take a look at the categories and best of luck to anyone who has entered. Now, Sarah, you're ready to pop this? I am indeed. Here she goes.
2: There we go! Oh, well, oh, there
0: we go. It's gone, got everywhere. Uh, well, uh, on that note, happy birthday to Edie. Uh, yeah, and thanks to everyone. Uh, goodbye from Sarah over there in the corner. Goodbye. Goodbye from Matt. Goodbye. Goodbye from George. Goodbye. And goodbye from myself. Goodbye. <laughs>